For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Believe in Lions. I'm your host, as always, at Jaffanaw87, Jack Kavanaugh, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the all-pro safety, the world-class photographer, and the all-pro commentator, Glover Quinn. <laughs> Man, you add to the uh, intro. I like it. Yeah, I, Man, what's up? Uh, I got, got it mixed up with another show, and then I just went with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it works. Cool, it works. cool. How's it going, Glover? Man, it's going great. Going great. Excited. Excited for uh, another weekend of football. Me too. And excited about the news that's happening too. It's rare that yeah. Thursday night during the game, we get massive breaking news too. Christian massive. McCaffrey massive. off to San Francisco for four draft picks. That's a lot of draft picks, but I think I think San Francisco, you know, in the NFL, you got you got a short window. You got a short window that you have to capitalize on, and I think they probably feel like this is a good window for them. They got a they got a good defense. If they can stay healthy, get some guys back, they got a good offense. But adding Christian McCaffrey, I think makes them that much better. I mean, if he can stay healthy and play halfway at the level that he can play, I mean, he's going back. He went to school out there at Stanford. Um, so he's in his element. He's going to feel at home. He's going to feel right where he wants to be. He's going to be comfortable. Um, I think he'll be rejuvenated by it. I think when you're in a losing environment, a losing culture, you know, that plays a lot into how you handle things. Injuries last a little longer when you're losing. You know, morale is a, is a little down when you're losing. When you're winning and you're playing in big games or you have big, meaningful games, those injuries tend to heal a little faster. You know, that, that want to play and the, the funness that you've always had comes back. And I think we'll see that from Christian McCaffrey. And I think he'll be, you know, a great addition to their offense along with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. You know, those guys, they're going to be explosive on offense. And then defensively, we know that they can play. So as long as they can put up points, I think the 49, I think that elevated them to uh, another level. I, I think I think they're going to be fine. Football is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And 
as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, hockey, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. And typically, I don't love when you give up crazy assets for a running back who's getting up there in age, but... I truly think this is different just based on what Christian McCaffrey can do because he's not just running between the tackles and ripping off big gains. He's a receiver. You can put him in the slot. You can start him at running back, motion him out to slot, motion Debo into the backfield, and now you've got a DB covering Debo inside and a linebacker covering Christian McCaffrey outside. Throw in George Kittle, who's not just a tight end, and how do you cover anyone in this offense and the interesting thing I found was this happened really quickly we'd heard for about a week or so that it was the Rams the 49ers and the Bills that were interested but no one really verified it then the athletic comes out yesterday and says hey I've talked to people in San Francisco the smoke is real they want Christian McCaffrey and it sounds like Christian McCaffrey wants San Francisco, which makes sense with his right. relationship with the Shanahan's and growing up with Kyle. But and then just like that, within seven hours, the trade's done. So what's it like when you're a player just trying to figure out what news is real and what am I to do during this trade deadline? One thing about it, when you when you are the player, I mean, I'm I'm sure you know. I mean, you're you, you're you're communicating with your agent, so you know the media is putting out certain things, but obviously people have to put out things to the media so the media can know, right? Yeah. So the players probably know somewhat, right? They're they're his agent is fielding calls, right? And so he's probably informing him. Hey, we got this team available. This team is interested. And I'm sure Christian McCaffrey was like, all right, I'm that's cool. The Rams, all those teams are cool. But if we can make the 49ers deal work, let's make the 49ers deal work. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I, I think, um, and I don't know the ins and outs of the trade and all that stuff, but I feel like that had that just goes to show, right? When teams want to get deals done, they can get deals done. This is what it is. When it comes to contract extensions, paying pe- like when they want to get the deal done, they can get the deal done. Point blank period. Right. Um, but it also to me feels like Carolina showed a little respect to Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Because if they got teams, different teams, and, and if the 49ers may have offered the best package. Yeah. Right. They may have offered the best package. But for him to get traded to a place that he want to be inside the conference. Now, obviously, Carolina is not a contender right now, so they're not looking at San Francisco as somebody that's going to keep them out of the playoffs, right? But you trade him to an NFC team. You could have traded him to an AFC team, right? You could have traded him to somewhere where he probably didn't want to go if they were offering anything, right? 
So for them to say, hey, this is what the 49ers are offering. It's good enough for us. This is where he wants to go. Let him go and let him go and be happy. To me, I like that from the Carolina Panthers. I don't know if that was their thought process or, it, like I said, if that was just the best deal that they got. But a lot of times I feel like when the relationships are bad and they just want to get rid of players, they ship them off to the worst teams that they can that they can go to and they send them there to to end their career. Um, so to see Christian get, you know, sent back home. And like you say, he's familiar with the Shanahan's, right? You look at that offense. I mean, Kyle is a genius. You know, the guys that he has, the different things that he can do, like you said, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, who's in the backfield, who's the running back, who's the receiver. Like you say, the matchups that they can create, who are you, how are you covering those guys, right? Who are you considering as a wide receiver and who you are you considering as a defense, I mean, as a, as a running back, right? That's going to put those linebackers, those safeties, that's, that's going to put those guys in situations that the 49ers would probably have the upper hand in. So I think it's a great trade by them, and I think it just worked out because they wanted Christian McCaffrey. He wanted to be there, and I'm sure he was telling his agent, Whatever we got to do to make the 49ers deal work, let's make that one work. And it's always interesting when everything happens behind closed doors. None of it comes to the media. Christian McCaffrey, when he's asked about it, I'm a Panther right now, and I care about being a Panther right now. Just he's got to know what's coming, what's going on, but just handling it like a professional. Whereas sometimes players are taking to social media, they're, throwing out shots and interviews with reporters. And we even saw this with Debo. He took the social media to let it known he wanted a new contract or out and it worked for him. But now we've got Elijah Moore, the Jets wide receiver. He's talking to reporters, telling him how frustrated he is. Then he's tweeting about it and he's upset. He's not getting involved. So they have a closed door meeting with the coaches. They give him the day off of practice. and then. After the day off, he requests a trade and the Jets say, no, we're not giving you a trade. And also, we're not really happy about how you've gone about all of this. We didn't like your attitude before the trade request. So you might not even be active on Sunday. We very well may healthy scratch you for Denzel Mims, who funnily enough, asked for a trade in the summer. Yeah, I I mean, I think what we're seeing is almost like the state of America. In this, in the sense of a lot of things going on, and how people are allowing social media to influence and inform and do all these different things with, with everything, right? Like instead of handling your problems like a man, right? This is the NFL. This is a man's game. Instead of handling your problems like a man, you got a problem with the coach, you need to go to the coach. You got a problem with a player, you go to the player. You got a problem with the organization, then you go to the organization. But to air it out on social media, to try to get the whole world to have, like, that's the new school, prima donna, just nonsense to me. I don't like it. I can't really respect it. I'm an old school type of guy, though. And to me, I don't, I don't need to have the fans to sit here and try to be like, oh yeah, they should, they should do this or they need like, these are billion dollar organizations. 
billion dollar organizations. So they're going to do what they want to do. And when you do stuff like that, there's tons of players that would love to play for the Jets. So I feel like there's a better way to go about it. Like I say, if you got a problem with the coach, go talk to the coach. You got a problem with the wide receiver coach, go talk to him. If you don't like your role, go see why your role is decreased. Look in the mirror. What are you doing that's allowing them to decrease your role? Because the last time I checked, everybody wants good players. They're not sitting good players down just to sit them down. They're they, they not decreasing roles of good players just to decrease their role. Last time I checked, there's a reason why. Maybe you're not performing how you think you're performing. Maybe you're not doing what, you, what you're supposed to be doing. And that's the difference in watching the game on TV and sitting in the meeting room and watching the game on the All-22. Because the stuff that you can't see on TV, we see in the meeting rooms. We see in the film room. We see how you're not executing your routes. We see how you're not doing the little things, blocking, whatever it is that they see that makes them feel like we're going to lower his role. We don't get to see all that stuff because the TV only shows us certain things, but they get to see it. So to try to go to social media and then want to talk about requesting a trade and all, like, I can't get with that. I, I, I don't like it, but that's just me. So that's the new school. That's that's these new, these younger kids that's growing up in this whole social media era. That's where they feel like they got their voice to go to social media and put everything on blast and talk about everything. It's not good. Not good. No, I'm not a fan of it at all. And we we talked about it in the summer when Kyler Murray took the Cardinals out of his Twitter bio. Just all those small little jabs that players are taking at organizations. We get J.K. Dobbins this week liking tweets about him getting traded because he's injured and clearly not healthy and seems to not want to accept that. Then we get Rashad Bateman. As soon as the team signs Deshaun Jackson, he tweets, LOL, and that's it. And it's just, why? And it's mostly the young guys, but then we get Robbie Anderson, who's a vet in this league, and we all remember him and Baker Mayfield, the no, don't trade for Baker in the offseason. Then he fights with his coaches on the sideline. Then he fights with our colleague on the Believe in Panthers podcast, Jonathan Stewart, about how he handled it, all on social media, all in the public. And so... It's just wild to me to watch that and then see Melvin Gordon handle it where he's asked questions and he's, nope, I'm healthy. I'm disappointed in my role. I think I could have helped us win. And that's it. And then the next day he talks to the coach in private and it's resolved and he's announced the starter again. It's just, how do you see that and not want to emulate it when we see the results of handling it the way of social media because I think people, they, 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 they look for those moments. They, they look for those things to, to boost their popularity or whatever it is they want to do. Like Robbie Anderson is acting like he's a hall of fame wide receiver. You know, they're like Robbie, <laughs> like 
you know you you know you're really not a great like you're like you I mean I've been doing top 10 ranking for wide receivers that I have not even considered Robbie Anderson. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. who are you to be sitting here trying to tell a team who to trade for and not to trade for and demand your way out? Like, who who are you, bro? And to come at come at uh, uh, old school guy, Jonathan Stewart, and I won't say old school because, I mean, me and Jonathan played together. Our, our times were around the same, right? I love Jump Distor's game. Tough tackle. But you don't get to come at us like that, man. We're just reporting what 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 we see. That's all it is, bro. You acting like that? Why? Why? What is the point of acting like that? If you don't like a role, go to the coach. During the game, fighting on the sideline is not the time. On Sundays, Everybody's job on Sunday is to do any and everything they can to get the win. That's it. That's why when I see teams celebrating, coaches dancing in the locker rooms on Sundays at 3.30, 4.30 Eastern time after the game, and they've got their win, like it brings a big smile to my face because when you think about all the preparation that goes in to that game, from Monday to Tuesday, the treatment, the practice, the game film, the studying, the lessons, the weight room, the practice, all these little different things that you go through every single day, right? Every single day. Then you get to Sunday. Well, no, you get to Saturday. Then you travel. Oh, you got a home game, whatever it is. Then you get to Sunday and you get the actives, the inactives. And now you got however many guys going out got coaches got the trainers we got everybody it's just us and you playing the game guys go down somebody got to step up somebody's not playing great somebody got to pick him up somebody's having a career day we got to sell like so many different things that go on you got the ups you got the downs you're winning by 17 points now it's a tie ball game you're losing by 20 points now you're down by three. All these different things that go on. And when you fight through everything and you finally get that win on Sundays, it's so worth it. So to be sitting here fighting during the game because we're not throwing you the ball or for whatever reason. Like I said, it's the NFL. If you're open, they're throwing you the ball. If you're that great, they're calling plays for you. I'm pretty sure they were calling plays for Calvin Johnson. I'm pretty sure they were calling plays for Cooper Cup. When they want to get him the ball, they call a play to try to get him the ball because their guys are showing that they're great. I don't know if they call plays for you, Robbie, but is that the coach's fault or is that your fault? So, yes, I'm going to stand with Jonathan Stewart. That is not how you act. That is not how you go about handling your business. It's just not how you take care of things. Point blank, period, the end. And that's what we're seeing. You know, Antonio Brown did it. Robbie's did it. We've seen Mike Evans do it. All these guys. All these guys. 
That's not how you go about your business. Point blank, period, the end. It's a level of respect. We're all men. You don't want your coach talking to you like that. I don't feel like you need to talk to them like that. We're men. We need to be able to talk to each other in a respectful way and get to the bottom of what's going on. But to be arguing about this and this and that during the game, not the time. Not the time. Point blank, period, the end. End the discussion. And then to sulk after. It's one thing to argue with your coach on the sideline. It looks bad, but we saw it with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury last night. They argue on the sideline and then score a touchdown, and then after the game they're talking, we're just passionate. And Kyler yelled at Cliff because Cliff was yelling too much, told him to calm the F down. And then Hopkins gets in the middle, but everyone knows their role and they're all still friends or at least they can work together. It's salvageable. But when you get that blow up and then you sulk and just you're chipping at your coaches, making comments, every decision they make, it's, it's not helping anyone. And then to come at the media after the fact, we're just saying what we see on the field. It's we're doing our job just as you're doing your job. And if you're upset with Jonathan Stewart for taking to the media, which is his job instead of messaging privately. But now you're taking the public to call him out instead of talking to him privately that you're upset about it. You're having a double standard here and it just doesn't help anyone. Right. And and, and I think, like I said, what you saw from Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury for one, you got to understand they got a relationship. Yeah. When you have relationships with people, it's different. I can be on the sideline going at Slate, going at Quandre. Why? We have a relationship, right? They understand that I want nothing but the best for them. So if I don't feel like Slay is playing to his capability, I'm going to tell him that. Right? Yeah. It ain't no shade. He's going to understand it because we got a relationship. Right? It's a respect there. And he would do the same thing. If I'm not playing to my capabilities, Slayer tell me, Quandra tell me. A lot of the guys I play with, James ahead of the ball, they'll tell me, right? It's a respect factor. So when you get these guys like Kyler and Cliff, when you're playing the game, man, like I say, there's tons of emotions all over the place. Good, bad, like it is a very stressful, high-pressure environment. So things happen. So if Kyler feels like Cliff is screaming too much, he might say that. And he might have a relationship with Cliff to be able to say, hey, man, shut up. Like, calm down, bro. We okay. And you have that moment, and then you laugh about it. Hey, we good. Yeah, we good. We're good. Because we got a relationship. We understand each other. We're both trying to win. We're both trying to do everything that we can. And sometimes it comes out that way. But to continue, like you say, bickering and going back and forth and this and that and going at the receiver coach. And this, like the receiver coach ain't the offensive coordinator. He ain't the quarterback. He ain't throwing you the ball and he ain't calling the plays. What are you going at him for? So I think it's a lack of respect for the game. I think it's a lack of respect for your coaches. And I think, like I said, I think a lot of it is just the new school. A lot of these kids have a lack of respect for elders. They have a lack of respect for a lot of things. And I just don't feel like it's a good example being set 
to the younger kids of how to go about handling your business like a man as opposed to going and pouting like a kid. Yeah, I completely agree because it's just not productive. Nothing gets resolved that way. Things just fester, and then you have these big blowups on the sidelines. And it's a passionate sport. It's an emotional sport full of passionate people. And that has me kind of wondering for our next topic, injuries around the NFL. There are a lot of reports lately about players basically admitting they're forcing their way back onto the field as early as possible. We have Mac Jones. It's a four to six week high ankle sprain. And he's at practice the very next week. Limited. Can't walk. But he's got to be out there because he doesn't want to lose his job. Same with Baker Mayfield. He 10 days into a 28 day injury. He's back on the practice field. Russell Wilson has a significant hamstring and he plans to play on Sunday and Keenan Allen. This is the one that shocked me the most was Keenan Allen says, you know, I would prefer to not play this week, get the buy, come back fully healthy in two weeks. But if I can play, if the doctors clear me, I'm playing Sunday. And it just shows the obsession that these players have where it's, I gotta be out there. Even if I'm Keenan Allen, I know I shouldn't be. I know it's better if I'm not. I gotta be out there. I have to be. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing, right? When when you when you are a key guy on the team, you are a leader, you are a pivotal guy, you wanna be there. You want to be there. And you also feel like your 85% is better than somebody else's 100%. So, yeah, I may not be all the way healthy, but am I good enough that I can play and contribute? I'm smart enough to understand how to play and try not to injure myself. I think Keenan Allen's situation is a little different because the Chargers are a decent football team and they're 4-2, and two, right? So if they got to this game plus a bye, if this is a game that is a winnable game because wide receivers and hamstrings, those things are not great. So for me, if this is a game that I feel like our team can win without me and I can get two extra weeks, I can get this week plus the bye, plus a whole nother week basically before we have to play, I think in the long run that'll benefit us because – Hamstrings are tricky, right? But you want to see guys that want to play. Yes, Mac Jones feels the pressure, right? They're one and three, and then all of a sudden they insert Bailey Zappi, and now they're three and three, right? Yeah, he's going to feel the pressure. Everybody's talking about Bailey Zappi. Nobody's talking about Mac Jones, especially in a good sense. So, yeah, he's going to try to come back out there and play, right? Baker Mayfield, he's going to try to come back out there and play. All these guys, because like you say, they want to keep their job, right? But then you have some of these guys that just love to play. And they 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 don't want to be sat down by injuries, you know. They they want to be out there. They want to be on the field, and that's that that's what you want to show. You want to show the people that I care enough about my job. I care enough about the game. I care enough about everybody that's involved. Right? There's people that buy tickets that want to come watch us play. There's people that you know do whatever. You know what I'm saying? They want to come watch us play. There's trainers that spend a lot of time. There's coaches that spend a lot of time. This is a big business, right? When you lose, people lose jobs. People lose, families are destroyed, like move up in. Like it's a lot of things happen when you don't win. 
And so for the good players, they feel a responsibility for all of that. All right. When the DBs don't play great, DB coaches get fired. That's a family that has to move. That's a man that don't have a job. Why? Because I'm not playing good. Good players take responsibility in that, right? They take pride in that. And that's what you're seeing from some of these guys. And then, unfortunately, you see different from a lot of guys. And that's just the way it is. And I will say, I absolutely admire that these players want to come back as soon as possible. I just want the team, the doctors, the trainers to protect them from themselves because the passion is fantastic. It's better than, I don't want to take a shot, but some players who have a toe injury and they say they can play the next weekend, but then they're out four plus weeks. Meanwhile, they missed the parts of the past two seasons. It just makes you wonder, do they want to be out there? And so when you see these guys who, it's clear they want to. You absolutely love it. And I also respect Jonathan Taylor because Jonathan Taylor has basically admitted it without fully saying so that it was his decision not to play in week six. He was trending towards playing. He was practicing. And then Saturday, he was ruled out shockingly. No one saw it coming. And his response was, you just know your body as a player. And I'm not, we're not in this for a one game scenario. We're in this for the rest of the season. So as much as I admire the players rushing their way back to be on the field, I also admire Jonathan Taylor having the bodily knowledge of himself to say, I'm not ready yet. And and, and that's what you want, right? Jonathan Taylor is a workhorse. He's a running back. And like I said, I don't know exactly what his injury is. Ankle, but when just a, I think ankle, just a right? Ankle, so yeah. cool. So things like an ankle, hamstrings, things like that. I used to always say, this is what I used to always tell myself. And I didn't miss games. You know, I was fortunate enough. I missed one when I was a rookie. I was fortunate. I was blessed. Thank God. But I used to tell guys when they come hamstrings and things like that, when you feel like it's ready and you feel like you can play, Take another week. Just take another week. Because it's like he said, I'm not interested in you just find your way back and then you get re like you look at Chris Godwin, right? Yeah. Chris Godwin had got injured, right? Trying to come back, come back, and then as soon as he come back, he gets hurt again. Right? Like when you feel like it's ready, take another week. Just take another week, give it a whole nother seven days to get even that much better, especially early in the season. We're only in week seven or whatever week we're in, right? We're in week seven of 17. You know what I'm saying? Like your team is in a good situation, Kenny. You four and two, right? And they're playing well right now. You know what I'm saying? Justin Herbert seems to be done got healthy again. He's playing better. You know, your, your, your defense is playing better. You guys are playing well. You're four and two. And you're playing, I don't know, I think they got a pretty winnable game this week, right? So being ready to be there for the long run, it's a tough AFC division at the top, AFC conference, right? You're going to have the Chiefs in your own division, right? All the games in the AFC West, the Raiders aren't 
a great team, but they're going to play you tough. All right. You know, so they, I mean, we saw it Monday night. They had a tough game with Denver. You know what I'm saying? So down the stretch, when you're having to win those games and getting in the playoffs and having to go through the Kansas cities or go through the Buffaloes or, you know, we're looking at the jets and how they're playing. Like you, we're, they're going to need you more down the stretch than they're going to need you in, in week seven, especially if you got to buy week next week, take these next two weeks to get the hamstring fully, fully healthy. And then you should be able to go and be ready to perform the rest of the season. And that's, what's kind of interesting with Dak Prescott and the thumb, because He's being cleared by the doctors. I I hate saying this because this is the Believe in Lions podcast, but it's a winnable game for the Dallas Cowboys. And I know Dak wants to be back out there, but do you think with this strategy of give it another week that Dak Prescott should be held out another week with the thumb? Or do you think that this is a good test to prove well, it? Well, like I say, a thumb is not a muscle. Right. Yes, yeah, a ligaments, you know, things in his thumb. Right. But it's not a muscle like a hamstring. Right. But I think this right here is just a uh, respect factor that you have for the Detroit Lions. This is a perfect game for Dak to come back and throw it around and see how he feels because they don't respect the Detroit Lions secondary. They don't respect the Detroit Lions team. They feel like they can win this game either way. And so this is a great game to see how Dak feels throwing it a couple of times, right? Yeah, he's going to hand it off. We're going to let Zeke run it. But we're going to let Dak throw it a little bit and see how he feels. And if he feels great, then good. You know what I'm saying? If the game is going well, he's not going to have to throw it as much anyway, right? But they want to just see how he feels in-game action. And it's a good game to get him back out there, at least in their mind, to get him back out there because he only played one game. Right, played a Tampa game, we opened a day, and it wasn't a great performance by Dak. So they're looking at this as a game that he can get back out there, get some passes in, but maybe also get some confidence because they don't have any respect for the Detroit Lions. And that hopefully can propel them going forward. So the Lions got to take that personal. The secondary has to take that personal. You know, CD Lamb is a little tweaked up, a little, little banged up. They got to take that personal and go out there and play some really good defense. The defensive line got to take it personal and go get pass rush, go get some pressure on Dak. I mean, we can't sit back there and let these teams feel like they're going to gain their confidence and, you know, players are going to, you know, make the Pro Bowl and do all these things when they see the Lions coming to town. They're sitting there thinking, well, we're going to have a career day. Who's going who's gonna to be the guy to have the career day today? You know what I'm saying? You don't want that from, from the other teams because – that's right now is what teams are doing with the Detroit Lions defense. So that's, in my opinion, is why Dak would be picking this week. If they were playing a tough defense, I don't know if he would pick this week if he wasn't completely, completely ready. I think he would take another week. But I think with the lines, the secondary opportunity for him to throw it around, see how he feels. I think that's why he's coming back. So you've kind of talked about how the energy for other teams is that they don't respect the lions. And I completely understand it after what we've seen. We had that blip against the Eagles and against the Washington commanders where we felt respected and now it's faded. But what's it like as a lions player facing the Dallas Cowboys? What, 
is the aura like? Because you've talked about how Tom Brady has this aura about him and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. And obviously that didn't affect you. You were picking them off anyways. But what was it like facing the Dallas Cowboys, America's team with all the fanfare and the rah-rah and all of that? Well, the the thing about it, just being honest, right? So when you when you're playing for the Detroit Lions, you know, at least my time there, right? You're you're fighting for the national respect, right? That's what you're fighting for because the world sees you as the same old Detroit Lions, right? They see you as, oh, that's Detroit. They're awful. That's what the world sees you as. The Detroit Lions fans are great. They see you totally different. Some of them see you as the same thing. But the world sees you, oh, that's Detroit. Oh, that's Detroit, uh, right? So when you go and play the Dallas Cowboys, just from a stadium, from a production, from just a team, just from an environment, just from all those different things, it feels like the haves and the have-nots, right? It feels like the Cowboys are uh, uppity, you know, suburb, uh rich you know that that's those that that's those kids right they're all jerry jones right right and <laughs> you know detroit we're like lower income you know i don't want to say hood but just like tough life growing up tough childhood chip on your shoulder you know what i'm saying that so when you go play them that's what it kind of feels like it's less like Oh wow. This is nice. Oh, we're in Dallas. Oh, these are the these are the rich kids. You know what I'm saying? Um, but when you go play the game, you know, you're playing football. But just from what it feels like, that's what it feels like. And as a Detroit line, especially back then, we were fighting for that respect, right? We're fighting for that national respect. So then you gotta go to those teams that are considered America's team, that are considered teams that the nation looks at as good teams, regardless of how good they are, right? The Cowboys haven't won a playoff game or haven't been great really for a lot of years, but they're still called America's team. You know what I'm saying? Like people are going to always love the Cowboys. People are going to always love the Steelers, regardless of how good they are. They're going to love the Steelers. They're going to love the Packers. They're going to, those are America's, teams like they're, they're national teams that people just love those guys and so when you become a part of those teams you just kind of like grandfathered in yeah right you just kind of grandfathered in right everybody that plays for the Steelers think they're tough like they're part of the steel curtain like <laughs> you're not tough just because you play for the Steelers bro but they think they are everybody that played for the Cowboys think they're big time because they play for the Cowboys. You know what I'm saying? Like, you haven't earned that. But they have that perception. They have that persona that that's who they are, right? So when you play for the Detroit Lions, you're known as hardworking and, you know, they're good, but they're not great. You know what I'm saying? That's the perception of the players in Detroit. So you're fighting that all the time. Everywhere you go, you're fighting that, and you you have that chip on your shoulder because you want you want that respect. You want people to see you show up and feel like, oh, those guys are for real. But you got to go out every week and prove it. You got to go out every week and be willing to break 
the curse. We'll be willing to break the whatever that's holding it, holding it back. You got to go out and fight for that every single day. Every single day you got to fight for that. And you can never, and I said this a long time ago, you can never let the chip leave your shoulder. Even to this day, I still got that chip on my shoulder. I rock with Detroit. I live in Houston right now, but I rock with Detroit. I rock with Detroit because I'm just a hardworking, hard-nosed type of guy. Nobody ever gave me nothing in life. Same way it is in Detroit. They don't give it Detroit anything. They got to earn every freaking thing that they got. And I love it. And Detroit loves you as well. And Detroit, hopefully can love a win on Sunday. We'll we'll see about that. But good news, Amon Ross St. Brown is practicing in full. That's fantastic. DeAndre Swift is still limited with the shoulder and the knee, but we saw last year Swift was permanently limited and would play on Sunday, so I'm not worried about him. But Chark, DJ Chark has the ankle, and Josh Reynolds now has a knee injury, and they haven't practiced the past two days. So we may have to do it without them. But it's such a massive boost getting a Monroe St. Brown back and getting DeAndre Swift back, if that is the case. Yeah, I, I think I think that is a massive boost. But I do I am a little concerned that coming off the bye, you know, DJ Chark and Josh Reynolds are not practicing. Like that's concerning. Yeah. And, you know, having a Monroe St. Brown back is good, but when you don't have those other two guys out there now. They can double team Amon and he won't be as effective. Somebody else is gonna have to step up. Yeah, you got TJ and you got DeAndre Swift. But like I said, DeAndre Swift, he's coming out of the backfield. He he can hurt you out of the backfield. Um, but if you had DJ Chalk out there and uh, or Josh Runners or some one of those other guys that can make plays for you on the outside, that opens up more things for TJ and Amon Ross St. Brown on the inside. So um, that's a little concerning to me that they're not even practicing after, like I said, coming off of a bye week. They've had two weeks, so if it was like just like a knickknack, they should be back. But um, that that's a little concerning. Yeah, and Chark worries me because it's the same ankle injury. Reynolds worries me because we know he would miss practice with the ankle injury and then play through it. But now it's a knee, so he picked up this knee injury either in the Lions' last game or during the bye, and. For a new injury to pop up at that point just just worries me a little bit. So I don't know what to expect from this Lions offense. We'll have more information this afternoon when the injury report comes out at 4 o'clock. But what are you expecting from both the Lions and the Cowboys on Sunday? We'll go out on this. What do you expect the game to be like? Final score, predictions, all of that fun stuff. Well, you know, I expect, you know, I, I expect probably, um, you know, I, I if, if Dak plays, I expect the Cowboys to come out and try to be super explosive and just try to bully and run Detroit out the out the doors early. That's that's what I would expect, right? Come out with a lot of energy. Dak could be back. That's what they're gonna try, right? I would expect the Detroit Lions to come out fresh off the bye, they're going to have some energy too. They're going to stand up and be ready to play, right? DeAndre Swift's going to be back. He's probably going to be feeling really good, hopefully. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Some of their stars will be back, and I I think that they will compete and be ready to go. Um, 
I think, you know, defensively, if the Lions haven't fixed some of the things that they've struggled with throughout the season, um, especially with a mobile quarterback, right? I think, I think they could struggle a little bit defensively, and the 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 Cowboys, you know, with with Zeke, you know, Tony Pollard, they got some good running backs, you know, CD's a little banged up, um, but he'll probably play. He played through it last week. He'll probably play through it this week. Um, I think the Cowboys defense is going to have the edge over Detroit Lions defense. I think their secondary, you know, is pretty good. I think their linebackers are good. A D line, they get really good pass rush. Um, their D line can, they can go. So I think the, the I, I'm going to give the the Cowboys D line defense an edge over the Lions defense, and the fact that DJ Chark and Josh Reynolds are out. I'll probably get a Cowboys offense a little edge. I like Amon. I like and I like uh, DeAndre Swift. Um, but not having DJ Chark and Josh Reynolds like <laughs> really, really, really it, it, it's tough. So I, I think you know it's going to be a tough game for for the Lions to win. You know I, I think. They can do it, but they're going to have to play a great football game. And Dallas is going to have to play not a great football game. Um, so I can see I can see the line scoring some points, um, you know, 13 to 17 points. Um, touchdown, a couple of field goals, uh, two touchdowns in the field goal, something like that. So I can see them scoring 13 to 17. Um and I think for the Cowboys, I, I think they'll probably, you know, I, I, I will look at something like, you know, 28-17, 28-13, something like that in, in favor of, of the Cowboys. Um, and that's tough, like you said, because we are the Believe in Lines podcast. So I hope I hope they go and do it. I really do. I'm rooting for them. But if I just got to give an honest opinion, I think it would be – 28 17 28 13 something like that yeah i'm thinking the 17 is right on the number for the lines i'm giving the cowboys a little bit less credit only because i think they're going to be cautious with Dak coming back so they're going to air it out four or five maybe six times but they're going to play a lot of ground control and so i think they're only going to get to 24 24 to 17 for the dallas cowboys but here's the things i'm watching for Right off the hop. Cowboys, I am expecting first play of the game. They're going to run some jet motion and do a dive up the middle and just get that run game going. And then the second play, it's going to be boot action from Dak to Zeke and then a shot downfield to CeeDee Lamb. And if the Lions don't cover that, it's going to be a long day for the Detroit defense. And see... This is where this is where I think it's going to be different, because I I I think that they're going to expect the lines to be ready for that, and I think they're going to look at what they did in Week One with play calling against Tampa and how much they actually put on Dak without really 
establishing run game and all those different things. And they're going to look at how they've been able to win over these last five weeks with Cooper Rush, the simplicity of the play calling, the putting the pressure on Zeke, Tony Pollard, living with play action, hitting guys. Like, I think they're going to stick to that strip with, with Dak to working back in. But then some of those pass plays, some of the throws that Cooper made, I think Dak's going to look to push the ball a little farther down the field. So I think they're going to take it slow. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. They're going to they're going to get the run game going. I think they're going to try because that's their they've seen that that's their identity. If we can run the ball, but even a couple of years ago when the Cowboys were great and they had uh, Zeke or they had Demarc Demarco DeMarc, Murray when we played them back in the days, right? When they can run the ball, you can control things. So Zeke is a big time running back. Tony Pollard is running great. I think they're going to try to get them going. And then let Dak live off the play action and work his way back because we've seen in week one, they're just not a good football team when Dak got to drop back and throw it 40 times. They're just not. So I don't know if they're going to come out taking shots like that. I think they're going to come out running the ball. See, like I said, they're going to try to bully the line. They're going to try to push them back, you know, run the ball, run running backs, going to try to run hard, run guys over, you know what I'm saying, to, like I said, bully guys. And then they're going to try to play actions, dinks and donks and things like that. And eventually, probably the second or third series, we'll probably see a shot taken up top. Okay, okay. I read you. I'm I'm just thinking that C.D. Lamb on a deep crosser on the third, fourth, fifth play of that first drive. I, it's, I'm worried about it. I, I can see it happening, and I can see the Lions not covering it. And it, can, it, it most definitely possibly can it most definitely possibly can. And that'd be something that, that would get, you know, that, that stadium erupting. It'll be yeah. loud in there. That'd be, you know, that'd be excited. And then on the lion side, on their offensive side, I'm watching the first two drives. I'm watching Jared Goff's demeanor. Cause I've read this in the past where with Jared Goff, a lot of the time you can tell, what kind of game it's going to be after the second drive. If he is already shell-shocked and has the happy feet and you can see that he is lost and confused, that's when it's going to be a long day for the Lions. But if they move the ball well on the first or second drive, they don't even have to get points on both of them. But if they're moving the ball well and you can see Jared get that confidence, then the Lions might have a shot. No question. I, I think that's that's what you want to do. You you want to get the quarterbacks comfortable early in the game, right? You want them to get the feel, the flow of the game. And I I would agree. You know, Jared Goff is feeling confident. He's feeling comfortable. He's not afraid of the rush. He's not skittish in the pocket. I think that gives them a great chance. But they got to establish the run game for that. Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, they got to be able to run to keep that D line because if they got to drop, if Jared Goff has to drop back 40 times with those guys rushing the passer, it's going to be a long day for the Lions. It just is what it is. We, it is what it is. If he has to drop back and throw the ball 40 times, it's not going to be a good day. No, not if he can stay, Mike if he can stay in the 24 to 30 pass attempts, better day. Because they're running the ball, they're controlling it. He's only having to throw it at, you know, when they want to throw it, better day. 
If you got to drop back and throw a 40, not a great day. Especially with Micah Parsons breathing down his neck for the entire game. An elite pass rusher in the NFL. Then you got Demarcus Lawrence on the other side. You do. (laughs) And he's getting slept on at this point because of how dominant Micah Parsons is. That was disrespectful of me. Yeah. 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 We don't want to have to drop back 40 times against those guys. No. Point blank, period. No, and they're such monsters against the run, those two edges, too. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm psyching myself out. I'm getting nervous already. This is going to be a test for the Lions, but there's no one I'd rather go through this test with than you, Glover. Thank you for joining the show, as always. It's just a pleasure getting to talk to you. No, oh, man, I thank you for having me, man. This is awesome to get to talk about the game, right? To get to, to you know, to get to look at the game from a different angle and talk about the ins and outs and, let the fans understand what's going on behind the scenes, why things happen the way they happen, because you guys don't get to know all that stuff, right? You know, I've been in there. I've seen it. I've seen meetings. I've heard meetings. I've seen coaches, players, all these different things. I know what goes in the game plan. And I know what teams are thinking. I just like to share it with you guys. So appreciate you, bro, for having me, for being a great host of the show. You're causing me to blush right here, Glover. I appreciate that so much. We appreciate just all of the wisdom you have to share. Any pluggables to plug before we get you out of here? Nah. Nah. Go Astros. Um, Go Astros. (laughs) Go Astros. Go Lobos. Go Aggies go. Uh, oh, what? Uh, who are you? Southwest tomorrow? Bears. We got homecoming. Bears. Go Bears. We got homecoming. Shout out to the Southwest Bears Junior College. You know all these football players. You know, and I'm gonna say this because I don't know how big it is, but um, Mississippi and Kansas has the biggest JUCO programs in football. Okay, there's not a lot of states that have JUCO football. Florida doesn't have JUCO football. Texas only has one school that has JUCO football. Um, A lot of these states, Detroit, Chicago, they don't have junior college football. So if these kids in high school don't get scholarships to major schools or some of these mid-major schools, where do they go and play? Look into junior college. Kansas, Mississippi, find your school and continue to play. Do not underestimate junior college. I went to junior college, made it to the NFL. Darius Slay went to junior college in Mississippi, made it to the NFL. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys in the NFL right now that went through junior college. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I mean, even I got a nephew that went to junior college to play baseball. Now he's playing at Texas A&M. So do not overlook junior college. You just want an opportunity to keep playing. That's all you want. It's an opportunity to keep playing. So if you're not getting the big looks that you want from the big schools, go to JUCO and show that you can play, and they'll come back around. Follow in the footsteps of Glover Quinn, of Darius Slay, of the reigning NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers even went to JUCO. So take those JUCO opportunities when you can. 
tune into the Believe in Lions podcast when you can. Check out our sponsors over at betonline.ag. And until then, we will see you next time. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.